everybody. Welcome to episode 218 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film and more. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host. Stepped right on your line there, yeah, you didn't do. I? Always yeah. do. <laughs> I'm Paul Robinson, and um, we have a very special show today. Yes. I'm very excited about it. We have a guest. Mm-hmm. Introduce yourself and what you do. Ah, hi, everyone. My name is <laughs> Sky Borgman, and I am a documentary director. Uh, I spent a lot of time sort of coming up as a director of photography for both documentaries and narratives. And um, it's in the past 10 years or so, I've, I've transitioned into doing um, exclusively pretty much directing. Yes. So um, I am a huge doc fan. Paul kind of has to be dragged so, in a little bit. Look, that's the elephant in the room, right? It's uh, <laughs> I, I always equate documentaries to working out, right? It's you never want to do it, but you feel better afterwards, <laughs> you know? Um, but these two, the, I saw two of them. Yes. And uh, it's I've it's, seen them all. <laughs> it's every time I watch a documentary, I am just, I just, I can't. And these two specifically were just on like another level of crazy. But then also we'll get into it. But one of them, the way the narrative, the, the way the narrative kind of unfolded and was visualized was really kind of intriguing to me. And I, I thought it was really interesting. So actually, you've seen three that she was involved in because um, you did Dead Asleep. Correct? I did, yes. Yeah, so you saw yes. that okay. as well. Um, so I, um, I had originally seen um, uh, Abducted in Plain Sight, uh, which was mm-hmm. a couple years ago, I think, right? And um, I was talking to you know a couple people that had been watching. We were like, "Have you seen this? My God! Like this story is insane!" And um, he so he's seen that one and um uh we watched that one recently and um i had to kind of watch it without reacting because you know we were hitting parts that i was like he's going to have a reaction and so i was just <laughs> sitting back waiting for it um i mean everything you know it's your 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 films all have such a a focus on cinematography which is like yeah. documentaries you can get away with mediocre cinematography. Honestly, if you have a compelling story, you can get away with it. Um, but it's only that much better when you see a documentary that has a story that pulls you in, but also is beautifully filmed. Um, we had spoken to um, the director of, um, was it The Deep? In The Deep? Yeah. Uh, on, on Hulu. And we were just baffled because it looked like we were watching a movie you know except then you kept having to tell yourself like wait a minute this is like a true story the deep end that that's what it was yeah um and uh so i i always yes yes yeah 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 Yeah. and i just you know i remember we were watching that and i just thought like this is so like the cinematography in this is something that you don't often see in documentaries and i think that I guess it it it's not it's look I understand it but it it's always it always hurts when I kind of see like no no uh, efforts put into like lighting or you know like somebody's you you have a subject sitting in front of a window that's just completely blown out the whole time and it yes the story is still pulling you in but as filmmakers I'm like God could they not have thrown up a sheer curtain or something to like, <laughs> you're killing me um, so this is you know your your movies are beautiful to watch but then also you you pick such um, interesting topics how does that come about I mean it really a lot of different ways I mean I think I I definitely am drawn to stories that I can at least 
figure out visually that they have a rich visual possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, what I love about documentary filmmaking really is that there are so many ways to put a story together. It's, it's, it's a little bit different than scripted. I mean, scripted, obviously there are many ways to put a story together, but you know, you kind of, the way I approach them is I come in and I'm like, okay, what am I, what tools does this particular story sort of lay out? Is there a lot of archive? Is there no archive? Do we have to really bring in dramatizations or, or do we not want to do dramatizations? Is the, is the landscape that it happens in or the, place that it happens in visual enough to sort of bring that moment forward? Um, Is it verite? Is it interview heavy? You know, and so you're looking at what there's there, what exists, and then kind of figuring out how to tell it. And also for me too, is really, you know, I mean, I, I make, I mean, everybody keeps talking and they say, I make crime documentaries and I, it's Mm -hmm. true. It's absolutely true. (laughs) But I never think of them like that. I yeah, think I don't right. think of it that way either. I, I, I mean, I can see it. I guess I can see why somebody would say that. But there's so much more intimate. It's like, like when I think of a crime documentary, I think of like, you know, uh, stuff that you see on A&E and these, you know, just yeah. like uh, where you're not having so much time. The Discovery Channel. Yeah, I think stuff of stuff whatever, like and yeah. some of those are great. But like, you know, I think of like, you know, making a murderer where it's just that you know that kind of thing i I feel like yours are are almost like it's like a like a drama yeah (laughs) type crime you know is stories that have that and to really sort of find the the person in it because i think a lot Mm -hmm. of the times like the people and the humanity and the emotion of it kind of gets kind of gets glossed over and the crime of it is is brought to the forefront and and so i'm always trying to find those stories where you know where we can really sort of look at the people behind it and the humanity behind it. And, mm-hmm. and it just so happens, you know, that so much of the, the spectrum of humanity exists in these crime stories. I mean, you see yeah. the very best of people and you see the very worst of people. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, unraveling that human conundrum is, is really what's interesting to me. And yeah. so finding stories that have all those different elements and different layers is, is attractive. Yeah. And, and that's what I look for. I find it so fascinating because, um, you know, we mainly do narrative stuff. And so we have uh, a preconceived notion of going in to this film, going into the editing process um, and knowing what we're kind of sculpting out of the footage that we shot. Whereas with the documentary, I'd assume that, you know, you have all this footage and then now you're, you have to find, you have to build that story because, and there's a, there's a responsibility you have to just tell the story and not try to weigh it one way or the other. There's also, I assume you're like policing yourself to make sure that because you're specifically interested in something or you feel a certain way about something that that doesn't translate in the editing. Um, so I find that to be an unbelievable challenge um, in the editing process. I mean, that's kind of where the story is formed more so than a, a typical narrative. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think they're so fascinating because you do all this research ahead of time and you kind of go, all right, this is, this is what the story is. It's, it's based on calling people and, you know, finding police reports or newspaper articles or whatever there is that tells a story. And you go, this is the story that we're going to go out and film. And then you go out and film it and it completely changes. Mm -hmm. And then you come back and you get into edit and you kind of go, all right, this is how it completely changed in the field from what I had. 
and now you're in the edit and what you brought from the field in and you think you know what's going to happen and then mm -hmm. it completely changes again so yep. it's, it does take a it takes an incredible amount of sort of research and story structure before you go out and then the ability and the willingness to just chuck it all out the window and start again from scratch mm -hmm. and and that nimbleness i think is something that um that every good documentary filmmaker needs to have you know not yeah. getting too attracted to an element of their story to be able to sort of just bend and move with how the story ends up taking you and uh, i mean i i, I probably more so in the beginning do you do you ever find yourself relying more more on um like uh, outsider feedback than you would say in something that's a narrative because mm -hmm. you it's look uh, the, the documentary film is is so much more of an investment in time and mm -hmm. in emotion and and all that stuff so i i would wonder if if you kind of re might rely more on on people that know nothing about it to know that if you, what you're telling is is what you want to tell yeah, so much. I mean, it's such a huge part of it to get to get people to watch it and do screenings and 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 but it's always an interesting thing because you want people who are able to look at the story and the cut when it's at the place that it is and so they're not somebody who doesn't come in and want and say, "Well, I want to tell this story." Who's able to look at the story and go, "This beat isn't hitting and this beat isn't hitting mm -hmm. and I'm not sure what I'm what I'm being asked to feel here mm -hmm. or sh do you want me to be feeling this way because I'm feeling this way and who can talk about how these different things are coming together so it's it's important to get and then sometimes it's important you know for my mom to watch it mm -hmm. who doesn't have that kind of film lexicon and she's yep. just like I don't like this guy like, <laughs> yeah I, I want you to like him at this point you yeah know? yeah <laughs> yeah noted yeah yeah <laughs> oh man so I I had um so I I always wonder how much information you know going in. So for instance, um abducted in plain sight, right? We we start getting into That was bonkers. How, how, like the moment where her father makes his confession. You know, do you know that going in or you know like how had had there have there been times in other words that you don't know something that the, the subject like, oh yeah that the subject says something and you're like what yeah. <laughs> like has, yeah. does that happen it happens all the time i mean wow, it happens okay. all the time you know where you think you know everything and and a bomb is dropped or more information comes out and a lot of it you know a lot of it has to deal with i think just the the process of the interview and and it's it's an incredible thing I think I mean it's one of my favorite parts of documentary filmmaking is sitting with people and asking them questions because it just doesn't happen very often you know I mean we're kind of doing it now right and so mm -hmm. you're giving me space to kind of tell my story without interruption but it doesn't normally happen like in the real world you start telling a story and somebody interrupts and they start telling their story right and so there's this this sort of magical quality about interviews and and to ask questions that go deeper and deeper and deeper and then you just get people to these places where they remember more or or they they put a piece together that they hadn't normally put together before and they're thinking in deeper ways about actions and reactions and so a lot of times i think I'm surprised by things they bring forward. They might be surprised by things they bring forward, but but that act of, you know, listening, I think really encourages people to kind of tell their story in a much deeper way. Mm. Yeah. 
I I was also we were both really impressed by um the the way the footage looked in the reenactments in that it had such a you you had actually said you were like this actually looks like it was filmed in that time you know a lot of times reenactments are just kind of an afterthought and it's you know well we'll get some some clothing from the period and uh, we'll throw a rotary phone in the corner and and call it a day but i mean that was almost like its own thing you know it it was like watching two films in one it was just really really well done thank you i mean i think that the key to that really was that we filmed all of all of those on actual eight millimeter film Mm -hmm. You know, on a camera that was like this big, you, yeah. know, you hold, yeah. you can't see, you can't see anything through the eye. Focus, <laughs> you can't tell if it's not focused, and so you're just sort of running around filming stuff. But I wanted to have it that that home movie feel, and so you know, putting a big camera on my shoulder, or or you know, doing this HD kind of treatment to it, and then trying to to pull out the information and make it look mm-hmm. eight millimeter just never mm-hmm. seemed quite quite like it was going to work, and to have that home movie feel. I wanted to shoot it on what they were using in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I was watching it and I was like, Oh, that's a pretty good effect. Wow. And then I started watching it some more. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't post know work is amazing. I don't think <laughs> that is because there's just a certain way that look, you manip- you can manipulate an image, but like to your point, all that information is there already. So you have to start taking away information that it normally would have taken away. And that's just kind of like a very kind of, um, uh, complex process whereas you know you just get the camera and shoot it and to to have the um the courage to do that right because there's no going back you know you can't you know you have to commit to that um and and i and i love that and it's and it's and it goes beyond that too because you have to look at how they lit things back then as well you know they they don't have these beautiful big soft lights everywhere and and stuff so that with the camera kind of really just because there was, I remember the Everything first was couple so times. Orange. Every, back then. Yeah. <laughs> the first couple times I saw it, and I was like, wow, they had this footage? This is crazy. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too, that I really, I look back and I really love about the film is that, that it, it is somewhat confusing. And maybe some would go so far as to say manipulative in like, is it real? Is it not real? Is mm. it real? Is it not real? And it was something that I actually wanted people to feel like, oh my gosh, they've got this, because it blends so seamlessly with the actual eight millimeter of the family, right? But them to say, is it real? Is it not real? Because I think that's really how the Brobergs were feeling. Like what's, right. you know, and they, yeah. they couldn't tell what was real. And so I love if I'm able to do something where like, you don't really see it or maybe it's a visceral thing and nobody's really gonna maybe make that association. But I think mm-hmm. it's stuff like that. And and taking a feeling that you want people to feel and embedding it somehow that nobody really notices, mm-hmm. or maybe they do, but they can't really speak to it, that, that's interesting to me with filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. It's the best of both worlds. You know, you, you have a narrative story that you're telling, and you also have the documentary stuff, too. So it's, it's really, it's a lot of work because you have to, I'd assume, again, um, that you have to kind of sculpt your story. So you're not shooting stuff you don't need, obviously, in the narrative part. And so um, so is that kind of the process where you kind of put the documentary together and then go through the process of the narrative sections? I mean, I definitely feel like that's, it's interesting because I feel like that's the most efficient way to do it. And that's how we did it on Abducted in Plain Sight. We, for the most part, we did film some of the, the narrative elements to it. Um, 
to get a feeling of what it was going to feel like in the cut. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, shot maybe, you know, four to five different shoots to get, to get those different elements in there. Um, and I definitely think it's typically the way that I do things is I, I put the, the documentary narrative together and then go out and film the more scripted or dramatization elements of it. But I've also done it. I mean, I, I direct on unsolved mysteries and we do it completely differently. We go out for 10 days or 12 days and we film all of the documentary elements at the very beginning. And then all of the, the dramatizations at the end Mm. in the place where the story takes place and it works, you know, I mean, I don't know that there's necessarily just one way to do it. I think there's, I think that every, every way can kind of work as long as you know, that's kind of what, what you're up against. I'm trying to, so unsolved mysteries, was that the, the recent one that just released that you worked on? Yeah. Was that the one with the, the hotel? Yes. God, that story. That's that story, I made him watch um, it because I was like, this story is it's interesting to a point awful. where it's pissing me off because <laughs> I can't stop thinking about like how how would would he crashed through all that like just this doesn't make sense. And you know, I mean that that is the the whole lure of that show. That's its job, right? To get you thinking it's an unsolved mystery. But that story specifically, there was also the one with the 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 father with all the, the wife and kids. Uh, was that in France or it was in another oh, country? Yes. Yeah, that one drove right. me nuts. Um yeah. uh, you know, the the girl that had got that they thought was buried, I think that was one of the 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 last ones too. But that hotel one, I was just like, I still to this day I'm like, I can't believe I don't have answers to this. <laughs> like I know, and, and that's what that story in particular. Wait, like, was that the hotel one where the like, guy fell? The glasses, yeah, yeah oh, that everything yeah. nothing made sense on yeah, where yeah. it was. Yeah. Nothing makes sense. And that one in particular, like some of the other ones you go. I think this happened right yeah you know but that one you're like there is I, I, there's nothing there's right nothing to pop on to yeah. <laughs> i was like this is amazingly frustrating i'm yeah. gonna watch yeah. it twice now i'm gonna do this to myself again and i'm bringing somebody else with, with me because i thought like maybe he's gonna make sense of it somehow but i mean we were just but it's kind of like you know it was, it was how the whole thing had happened with the the girl at the cecil hotel uh, and yeah. you know um but that you kind of started when you go through like the mental health of it and you're like okay this is possible she's having an episode then you can see that she's having she's having hallucinations and she's going to look like she's talking to somebody but actually isn't like that that i can kind of sit back with but uh, that one just that hotel. I was just like, I don't. I just want to know how this happened. I mean, even the injuries were just—they made no sense. Um, and I love that. You know, I, I I love watching things like this for some reason. But um, uh, even the girl in the picture—that was also like just such a frustrating thing. You know, it's when we were watching abducted. You know, at the end, he's just like, how? Like. How does this make sense to you as a parent? You know, and I said you have well, to. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say back that, yeah. and go. This is a time where, like, the thought of that even being a thing was very new. You know, I think we sit we we sit where we are in society and we go, well, obviously pedophilia exists, and then people start taking it to like conspiracy theory. I mean, it's it's such a thing that it's become the first thing conspiracy theorists jump on, right? It, yeah pedophilia rings everywhere but at that time that was such 
a taboo to even talk about. So and then you have like this Mormon community. So you're adding just this naivete on top of something that isn't really even spoken about. And you can see how, all right, I mean, not the best decision making, obviously, but that story now would be just negligence, you yeah. know, but at that time is like, well, the resources at that time. Yeah, the, you know, there was no Internet. I yeah. mean, if your kid ran away, that was it. I mean, unless they called you or somebody spotted them, there was no tracking them on their social media or going through the pinging their cell phones and yeah. trying to find, you know, these things just were not available to you. And those moments where she would call. Yeah, oh, I was, uh, was say so, that. you know, it was like, oh, God, you know, they, they were they, and they were excited. Like, are you going to come home soon? And yeah, I'm like, when she's her, like, she's a teenager. What is her, happening? Yeah, her just... dad like runs in realizing she's on the phone and I'm like, oh, God, you know, but then also, you know, it's 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 so weird how a 14 year old then practically looks like an eight year old. Now, you yeah. know, you look at a 14 year old go now and everyone's contouring and, you know, they yeah. look like women, you know, so you can. You can mistake a 14-year-old for a 20-year-old 20 very easily. Back then, it was almost like this regression. Like, they, they didn't even look 14. They looked like they were 10 years old. But at that time, you had 14-year-olds bearing more responsibility than a 14-year-old now. You mm. could technically leave home or get married at 15 and have children at 16, and this is totally legal. And, mm. you know, so it's just such a different way of life. But... Um, yeah, I just I was think, too, that, that there was just so much like shame that the parents were both feeling. Mm. Sure. And oh, yeah. Was this because like nobody really even contemplated that pedophilia was was something, you know, right. that, that mm -hmm. a grown man could be attracted to a young girl like that, that the reality of that just didn't exist. And then to, to pile on the shame, it just made these parents, I think, just they were thinking about how what their actions were within the confines of their marriage and that they both had these affairs with this man and that consumed them to the point and it was very manipulative you know mm -hmm. where he did this to get them to look away from Jan right and yep. that's you know and it's just such a it's just such an intricate but kind of simple web that mm -hmm. he wove and when you look at pedophilia across the board you're kind of like I mean there's like you know it's kind of like one two three it's like not that hard to manipulate if you know these if you know these steps and if you have like zero mm -hmm. ethics if you have right zero yeah 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 zero right. empathy like it's not that hard to do yeah. um and he did it like a masterful man he yeah it, at, i remember at one point thinking like this is a lot of work <laughs> yes. this is a lot of yes. work that you know this this kind of and it, it is that you know, ide ideally, yeah. I idealistically, it's a simple kind of thing. Like, I'm just going to do... But the amount of time and effort that this person has to put in to just get this one thing that he wanted, and it was... Like, I don't do that for stuff that I like. Like, you know, know. like, it's... It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's incredible in such a horrible way. That at one point, I'm like, he's got, like, a whole-ass family. This yeah. isn't, like, a single man that had all the time in the world and was putting all of his focus on this girl it's like there's a wife and children there as well so you have that side of it like how is his wife not going what is going on like where yeah. have you been like you've just yeah. disappeared for weeks on end and nobody's questioning that you know it was that's so the, crazy that's the thing you know um... i feel for his kids too because i feel like they're they his family was were such victims of him mm. 
you know, and I think that people would focus on Jan and her family, but really imagine that being your father. And, yeah. you know, so that, that, that was just kind of. Yeah, it's so easy to judge anybody in any situation, right? And especially when it comes to a different time or a different culture, even that, that you're not used to. Yeah. And it's like, I'm very fascinated by that, by how people act differently than than what we're used to seeing. You know, as Americans in 2022, this story is crazy. I would never let my kid X, Y, and Z. Well, it's like, well, you're not a family in the 70s in the situation that they're, you know, so I find that stuff so kind of fascinating to kind of be in that mindset of of what, like, like empathizing with where they're at, regardless of whether or not I feel I would do the same mm -hmm. thing because anybody can sit here and say I would never do that, but you don't know until you're in that situation, obviously. And I find that kind of so fascinating. Yeah, and I like it's always nice in these films if you can get people into somebody else's shoes a little bit, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of go, okay, so this these circumstances are happening around somebody, and then like, how would I act? And if somebody, if an audience person or a viewer can sort of come away from a film, I think asking those questions, what would I do in that situation? And they can continue the conversation afterwards mm -hmm. with a friend or with a husband or a wife or, or whatever to be able to sort of continue that conversation after a film stops is, is, is what I always love. I love yeah. that it goes, that it has this sort of life that it mm -hmm. lives on beyond the credits. And I think, and I think to try to get people into their shoes and also bring up questions that you don't quite answer because maybe there isn't an answer for it mm -hmm. or the answer is different from, from each person to the next. Those are stories that, that are pretty cool. Yeah. They're very frustrating, but at the end of the day, they're yeah. much more enjoyable though. Honestly, you know, when you, yeah. when, when um, there is no answer to something and, and because that mirrors life, there's no answers yeah. to everything in life. And so that is, it's kind of like this weird way that it lit, at least for me anyway, I find it both frustrating um, but also kind of like uh, satisfying, you know? Yeah. Well, the, just the story. I mean, the story also with like, I, I just wonder at one point he was just like aliens. Yeah. That, once he started with the that's alien where thing, I'm I was gonna like, go Whoa. with this. And then you think, oh, that sounds absurd. But it's like, imagine being a naive child. Yeah, that was a big. In a yeah. Mormon community or, you know, in that Mormon community. I mean, if, if you just go by the, the, the um, logistics in the religion itself. It's not that far off to think some weird magical thing is going to happen. It's not, you know, so I, I could, I, and then you're being drugged, you're waking yeah. up, you're hearing these noises, you're in and out of consciousness, you don't really know what's going on. And I thought, like, God, to, to think, to be going about your life thinking, okay, this is true, and I can't say anything to these people because they're a part of it and this will happen. And, um, you know, actually contemplating killing her sister, you know, yeah. if it's going that far with it. Um, I think that's also just th that sixth sense that you have. I mean, with ab uh, Abduct in Plain Sight and also with the girl in the picture, you know, having, having experienced uh, sexual abuse myself, the the red flags go off immediately. Like I, I can watch these and I'd be like, that's a problem right there. And, but, but because I've experienced it, I know that, but as a parent who hasn't, especially at this time, you don't know about mm -hmm. those red flags. And, you know, I mean, I, I've had people question the experiences that I've had. Did no one in your family even put two and two together? 
No, because it was a very unique circumstance that wasn't that still isn't spoken about uh, with female abusers. We still don't talk about that. So, you know, expecting I mean, that was one of the most frustrating things was like when I started doing advocacy work, I tried to find anything on uh, female abuse and adolescents specifically. Forget it. You can't even like get people to acknowledge that women are a bigger percentage than the studies from 25 years ago, those percentages don't even make sense. Um, but then if you throw in an adolescent, you know, no one wants to think about their child being a sex predator um, or being a pedophile. But I mean, you don't wake up a pedophile in your 20s. This is something that, you know, so that I I appreciate that you, you know, you do try to, that there is empathy because as someone who survived it, people are often confused as to why I look at things sort of clinically. Yes, mm -hmm. obviously, pedophilia is, it's, it's, it's harmful and, and, and all of these terrible things come from it and there's many victims in it. But if you don't understand something on a clinical level because you just think it's gross, right? I'm air quoting here. It's just, this is disgusting. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, well, we can't tackle this if you don't talk to a pedophile. When did you start feeling, you know, th all this information is so crucial, but we just kind of want to put the blinders on it and not talk about Burn them that. all. Yeah, that's yeah. that. that well, just, well, we should just kill them all. Are you volunteering to do that? You know, are you going to go to jail for the well, rest of your life yeah. because you're going to, you know, turn into a vigilante? No. So let's come up with an actual solution to this. I mean, first of all, this is something that will never go away. I mean, it will always exist, but we could educate people if you're willing to have an open conversation. I'm not telling you you have to befriend a pedophile, but we do have something to learn here by sitting with somebody who is willing to speak on their personal experiences. Uh, and I don't think we do that a lot. So I, I really, I, I commend you for for doing these stories because I don't think people talk about it enough. I agree. I mean, it's, and it's one of the reasons why I do, why I am drawn to telling these stories because people don't want to talk about it. And I actually think your sort of clinical approach to it is the way to go because as soon as emotions start getting involved, then people get angry and they get frustrated mm -hmm. and they get shameful. And mm -hmm. if you can approach it in that clinical way, then it's actually helpful for everybody. I mean, talk, and there are, look, there are many pedophiles out there who want to talk about right. their desires and who want to talk about this stuff. And there are very, very, very few people who want to talk to them. Right. So, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's absolutely true. Like if we can just talk about this stuff, it helps. I mean, if it's on a film level or if it's just to your friend or your spouse, or if it's a group, you know, the more we talk about this, the more we can kind of have an open door and talk about all the different, different red flags, mm -hmm. if you want to call them mm -hmm. that, different motivations, different, um, you know, methodologies to it. And we yeah. can be better people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the, the most frustrating things that I experienced when I did, I mean, I stopped doing advocacy because it, it started to turn into almost a competition um, mm -hmm. with other groups. Um, I got really nasty emails about like, how I hated women because I was saying that any woman that is a pedophile is a victim of a man. I'm like, that's not true. Like, can we please stop doing this? And I essentially got bullied out of advocacy because I was working alone. I was warned by other women as well that had tried that were like, this can be really dangerous for you. And I was like, all right, I'm going to step back from this. But in the time that I did it, you know, I would go to screenings. I think one of the films was The Woodsman with um, Kevin Bacon. 
which was, mm-hmm. you know, a film like that, that when that movie came out, I was like, I'm really surprised because they were kind of trying to show an empathetic side to the pedophile, which no one had ever done before. And I was like, I don't know how people are going to take this. Watching those screenings and having, uh, you know, telling my story and then having a parent come up to me and say, my son has made a confession about his feelings and nobody will help me. I really felt for that woman because her son was doing the right thing. He was telling her that something didn't feel right about the way he was feeling. And she was in tears because her family didn't want, you know, they were, they didn't want him near any of their children now, which I understand you do have to be careful, but there were no resources for her. And I was like, this poor woman is, this is still your child. You know, every pedophile is somebody's child. So there has to be some sense of uh, of reality when you're dealing with these cases. We can't just, there isn't just an island to throw people yeah. on and, you know, and all of a sudden it goes away. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, you know, it, it also in the girl in the picture, I mean, that was just, that was a really tough one. You didn't see that one. You really should see that one. But that was just like, oh, you know, with the, with the sleepover. And I'm like, oh God, this is going to, this is just ending so badly. And that one just kept, I mean, the twist and turns were, I guess perhaps having experienced something, I'm like, something's not right here with this. Pre- I don't feel like this is what we're seeing at face value. So that was also a really amazing one. But we do the same thing today. I mean, like, yeah, the times are completely different, right? Mm-hmm. They are. But but we still, so many people have that little gut feeling that says something's a little off here, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to make waves. And, and it's mm-hmm. human nature and people yeah. still do that. And we all can say... You know, if you see something, say something. And we all do say that. We put that message out there. But it really is like, and then at what level does each individual person feel comfortable about saying something? Mm-hmm. Because that's different for, for everybody. But when you see those red flags, it is like, it is worth sort of, and you get that feeling in your stomach that something's not quite right. Like, you should listen to it. Yeah. You should yeah. listen to it. There's also the fear of being wrong. I mean, what's yeah. worse totally. than that? Like, you know, than putting that on somebody and, and, and uh, yeah. that never goes away no matter how much proof yeah. you have. Uh, you know, you, that's yeah. just the scarlet Once letter that at that point. accusation is out there, yeah, yeah, a lot of times it's... That's awful. Yeah. And yeah. But it's so much of it is times. I mean, I think of in the 80s when we would go vacation up in the Catskills and we would stay in these bungalows and we'd see the same families every year. And um, there was... One girl that we saw, we never, I never knew, we'd never seen her mother. She would only come up with her dad. Very, very, like, almost recluse. Her father, it was like, she would be allowed to play with us for a little bit. And then it was like, you have to come inside. And she would stay inside that bungalow all the time. And I think now, if we had gone to vacation, I'd be like, what is up with this family? At the time, we didn't question it. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, um, sort of stain a father a single father because that that is a very much a thing you know but you know there is like those just those little things like where she was so timid and i think now i don't know that no one would have said anything you know i think somebody might have been like why isn't she allowed to come out and play with us more or why does she always have to be inside with him at a certain time and you know uh, you think of those things now and it's mm. like we didn't even think anything strange about that back then it was just that was that family and so when you go back to like you know jan and all that it's like that's just there was no experience to bounce off of yeah or sleepovers i mean i can't I've right done sleepovers no, yeah. all, all the time, the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the time. yeah and nothing ever happened on those sleepovers right. you know like yeah. i mean yeah my parents knew their parents but it, but i mean i i don't have kids but friends of mine who have kids they're like 
we do not allow sleepovers. Yeah. End of, end of story. We don't allow them. I'm like, that's, they were so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Really? Like, <laughs> I know that those were some of the most fun times I had with my friends were at sleepovers, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's you, a, you think about how much that the society has changed even when we were kids. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that long ago that, you know, uh, it was like the eighties and, and, and we're just running around with no, no supervision for not, hours no on end. <laughs> out all day. Not one peep to my parents about where I was or what I was doing. And it was like, then I just came home and ate dinner. And now it's like, you know, if I'm not getting a text every two hours, I'm like, where, what's happening? Where's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's so, it's yeah. so kind of, it's so kind of crazy and, and, and how things change and just in a lifetime, right? Like not even, yeah. it's not like this was like in the 1800s or something, you know, where um, th this shift uh, when you, you know, I'm, I'm older and stuff, so I can like look back, but the, the shift just seems to happen so rapidly, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, before you know it, you're like, well, we can't do this anymore because there's crazy people now or something or, you know, it's... We watch videos of people just literally trying to snatch a kid in broad daylight. And you're like, what yeah. the hell? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, so I, I did, um, I did want to get into, is it, I just killed my dad? Is mm -hmm. that okay. Mm -hmm. So... We watched we watched this as well, and um, this had to be one of my favorite emotional transitions in a documentary because yeah. uh, was it Anthony? Is mm -hmm. that the the young? So you know, this is such a perfect example of like it's very easy to judge how you think someone should react to something. I immediately, and I I could be completely wrong, but I immediately was like looking at the way he was talking and his reaction and I'm like is he on the spectrum is he high functioning but still on the spectrum because he seems to have this just this disconnect but this very honest way of speaking it's just very matter of fact um and how we are just sort of programmed to go that's weird right you're you're this kid's got to be guilty because that's weird and that's not how I would react right um and I, I, I'm guilty of still sort of thinking that when I watch crime shows and I'm like, that's not right. Like, you know, what, why, how could you not cry if your husband's been murdered at all? And shock is different for different people and people react differently. But from watching that in the beginning and thinking, and I think at one point I did say something right. <laughs> and I was like, so that's not right. And then where it went at the end, where he went at the end, he can tell you, I mean, I'll cry at the drop of a dime, but. I mean, it, it made me so emotional because I was just like, he was stoic through the whole thing. And then something happens in, in the end. And I mean, look, you know, if somebody is, is a sociopath, I guess anything is possible in terms of being able to fool people around them. But I was like, if he is, he's amazing because you could see this. He, it was him trying not to be emotional that sort of pulled me in. He was trying so hard. You could right. take the internal monologue of like, God damn it, do not cry. And he just couldn't help it. And I was like, I lost it at that point. I was just like, I never thought we'd see this side of him. Yeah. That must have been yeah. so crazy to watch. It's amazing. You know, it's such a cathartic feeling too, to see someone feeling emotions who hasn't. I mean, Anthony was very, very guarded. and mm. for good reason, you mm -hmm. know, um, but he was so guarded with his emotions the entire time that, that I spent with him and 
and we were filming this over the course of two years, really. Oh, you know, okay. from the beginning to the end, right? For the it was well, you know, I mean, COVID happened sort of in the middle yeah. of all that, and yeah. and you know, was a trial going to happen? Was it not? So he was kind of stuck in this limbo for quite some time. But it was it was such an interesting thing because to see him feel those emotions when he he just he really did not. He really, really, really had such a such a big such a big wallop, and and to have him feel emotion was was really amazing. I was wondering, like specifically that one, but in most of them, you know, you're you're kind of, and I wonder how you navigate this, like because you have you have this story that you want to tell, and you want to have this really kind of um, almost voyeuristic way of telling it, so you can let the 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 audience kind of just judge for themselves, sort of thing. But then also at the same time, you kind of want to have a structure to the story that you're telling, even though it is realistic. So how do you like balance that? Because you know, especially with that one at the beginning, you're like, you're almost thinking like, what's this? Did this kid do it? I don't know. Meanwhile, you know well, all mean, this information, so th- that's you're unfolding part. it in a in a kind of a narrative structure. So mm-hmm. like, how do you balance the the release of information, um, with telling the telling the the, the full story? Because at some point you have to hold some stuff back. But he's that confessing. You... That's what makes it so like yeah, he's yeah. confessed. There is no question. Right. It's just was their malice, right. I guess, you know, like, and so it's easy to just say, well, this is what happened. And then it's over in 10 minutes, you know, you're right. telling the, but you're unfolding this story. Um, so how do you balance that? Cause I find it so intriguing that you can, um, hold back. St- I shouldn't say hold back. That's like not the right phrasing for it, but you know, you're, you're, you're letting this information out in such a way that is digestible to a person that is used to watching a more narrative structure, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's always it's always an interesting thing because like like structure and how do you structure a story and how do you tell a story and and what do you what do you want to hold back and 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 what is sensational for a purpose you mm-hmm. know to get someone to pay attention and what's just simply sensational you know? right and 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 to to kind of continually ask the question to yourself your team everybody that's working on it you know, why am I telling this moment right here? Right. And what's the purpose of that? Is it just to, to get people to kind of go, what the fuck? Yeah. Or is it, is it to sort of punctuate another point that you're trying to make? And, Mm -hmm. and that's always the place that I try to go is to, to punctuate and to lead you into the next, to the next place. But I know that when we were, when we were structuring this film, you know, we looked at a lot of different ways to do it. And and even afterwards, just a few weeks ago, I got an email from from someone who had been on early, early, early on the project, um, and um, and then didn't continue with it. But he was like, I thought it was a mistake. I thought, you know, from the beginning, it was a mistake to start to start with the nine one one call to start with the mm. shooting. I'm like, oh, really? You thought that was a mistake? He goes, I thought it was a mistake the whole way through. And then I watched it, and I was like it was exactly right. It was exactly the way it needed to go, mm-hmm. you know? And so there are so many ways to tell a story, right. but yeah, to yeah. me, you know, it really is looking at that structure first and kind of going, what, what is the actual thesis or what is the actual one sentence? Like if you could crystallize right. the right. entire story down to one thing that you're starting at the beginning and that you're really ending with, and it can be personal. It can be, whatever that is. But if that, and if you can find that and really stick to that throughout the course of the one episode or two episodes or three episodes or whatever it is, then that's really, that's really what you want to be doing. And that 
And it's hard because you get to these points where it's just like, you know, what you're talking about. How do you choose when this happens or when that doesn't happen? And there's so many scenes that end up getting cut that you're just completely in love with. Right. Oh, yeah. It kind of takes you into this place where you're like, it gives so much more context for this and this and this, but it sort of ends up diverting you from that main thesis, mm-hmm. that main thing that you're trying to say. So, I mean, it, even when I say it, it sounds like the easiest thing in the world to do, you know, to just kind of get your thesis and tell it. But yeah. it's just like you're constantly pulled away from it. Yeah. Because you you have hundreds and maybe even thousands of hours of footage that yeah you can you can construct yeah. a, a a myriad of different stories that don't even have nothing to do with your main kind of through line and how easily yeah. you can change the story with that yeah you could make three or four different films depending on how you edit that yeah. and tell the story yeah absolutely. absolutely is it hard are you able to shut that off or do you take that home with you when you're working for so long with these people and that story i can typically i can mostly shut it off Mm -hmm. i mean a lot of times you know um it's i don't bring sort of the trauma home with me i i bring the the practicalities of things home Mm -hmm. with me i bring you know that like oh how do we arrange those shots you know and i think it's the way that i can do these stories is that it goes from being emotional, like it's a very emotional connection with people when I'm in the field with them and I'm crying with them during interviews and I'm, I'm with them and I'm emotionally, I'm completely in their space during the interviews and during Verite and all the field work. And then when I get into post, I do have to shift into a much more sort of practical, strategic, how am I putting this together? What shot goes here? Where does the music fade out? And I, because you spend so much more time in post, it can be, mm-hmm. some of yeah. those projects are a year or more yeah. in post. And so, and you're looking at how to, how to craft it, but it does turn into a very practical endeavor in post. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious about, I mean, kind of hit on a little bit, you know, when, when you're sitting interviewing people and, and you're there with them emotionally, um, how do you kind of, you know, trust is so important, right? In these things, you want people to tell the truth and they want to feel safe that they're in a safe space that you're going to do what they're saying justice and 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 um be not do something nefarious with it um how is that trust building work and and also because it's they have to know that you can't like you can tell your story but you're not you can't tell me how to edit anything you know mm-hmm. so you you're you own this stuff that you have and so how do you gain the trust of the people that um that you're interviewing or are part of a story um because i would find that because i would ima- i would imagine it has to be the process is long but that trust has to be built quick yeah it has to be built very quickly and i think i th- i think there it's different for different people you know clearly but i think for me i just want them to know that there's no judgment like there's mm-hmm. zero judgment that comes from me i'm not going to listen to what you say and sort of roll my eyes or smirk. Um, I really want to understand where they're coming from. And, and so to be able to listen and to be able to just kind of really just capture their story the way that they want to tell it, I think that builds an incredible amount of trust. And it's, you know, I mean, it's talking to them and keeping them in the loop and, and having dinner with them, having drinks with them, and and just being really human, and and also being okay if they need to step away or if they mm-hmm. need to take some time, and to just really acknowledge what their needs are, 
people, people respond to that, you know, mm-hmm. to acknowledge them and to not, you know, look, it's never like, it's not a very Hollywood thing or like, it's a very human thing when you're going out and you're in people's homes and right. you're mm-hmm. driving around with them and, you know, to just be, you know, completely with people for a short period of time or a long period of time before you end up sitting down and, and doing an interview with them. So it's, it's incredible though. People, I think inherently want to trust. They just need to, mm-hmm. they need to know that you are trustworthy and that you're going to, and that you hold their story with a lot of compassion um, in all the shades of gray. Look, there's, you know, I mean, there are certainly things that people do that they're willing to talk about mm-hmm. that may not be what you or I or the world at large or even themselves think is a positive or a negative thing necessarily, right. mm-hmm. but that you at least are doing a truthful and honorable thing and not obscuring their story. And if right. they can feel that way, that's where the trust comes. Right. That's, uh, that's such a, it's, it's so, um, cause I feel like a lot of these people that have been through stuff, look through the, look for the catharsis, the catharsis in telling that story, mm. you know, and, and knowing that, you know, uh, it's a safe place to do it. And, and I have to imagine that that would feel good, you know? Yeah. yeah. And look, a lot of times I'm, I'm amazed. I'm not amazed. I guess it, it makes sense, but, but the, the process of making these films for, I mean, I would say just about everybody is cathartic. Like they mm-hmm. come out at the end of it. Look, sometimes it's re-traumatizing. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people respond and react and have to deal with stuff that they weren't expecting to deal with. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like going to a therapist, you know, you're yeah, digging yeah, yeah. all your shit out and mm-hmm. you're putting it out on the table for not just the, me, the person sitting across from you, but eventually for potentially millions and millions of people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's a big thing to yeah. tell your deepest, darkest secrets. But at the end of the day, I would say just about everybody who's been through the process and who sees their story told at the end of it feels like it was a good thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. It was a good story to tell that they are happy that they told their story and they're happy that it's out and that other people can watch it and hopefully take something away from yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's a big thing too, is is knowing like, I, I don't want to tell the story because it's embarrassing or whatever, but I know that there's probably millions of people that are d- dealing with this thing. And if they hear my story that I went through it and I survived or whatever the case based on the specific scenario um, can be also- alone. Yeah, yeah. They won't feel alone. And so many people just feel alone. And so that's, and look, it's the driving motivator for everybody who tells their story is that, that, that they can help somebody else across the board. For sure. For sure. That's definitely, you know, that terrible stories to tell. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's like, I, I, uh, I think it, it freaks people out sometimes when, you know, somebody asks which which never happens that's always the the strange thing i think that you do have to be careful because it's subjective and everybody's different right but me personally perhaps i'm in the minority it always was more hurtful when the topic came up and then people went silent uh because and i understand that you're like i don't want to ask the details of this person's experience like what if this upsets her more or whatever yeah but i can say for me personally that was always like the holy shit moment. I shouldn't have said anything because now they're staring at me blankly and they're not giving me anything. And, uh, you know, you you have moments where, like I said, I speak of my experience very clinically, but I've had, few, I've had a few moments where 
I'm talking about it and it's kind of like a it's like a Seinfeld moment where you're like, what is this salty discharge? What is happening? I'm so okay with this and I don't understand why right now with this specific person, it's so weird. Like I've told this person and I told this person and I was fine. And then I'm telling this person and I don't know why in this moment it's making me emotional. I thought I was, I went through my therapy. I was good. You know? And now all of a sudden it's a different emotion. But, you know, for me, it was having people not ask those questions that made me want to go into advocacy because nobody, you know, we don't talk about we don't talk about sexual abuse as a whole enough. We uh, victims of female offenders really don't talk about it. And so there's like this additional shame that you have that like not only did you go through this, which is like, oh, that's terrible. But then it's like, oh, a female. Oh, God, a female adolescent. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. And it's like, well, you should <laughs> because you need to. Um, and. I felt like when I was going through those, you know, I did this in the early 2000s and I couldn't find anything later than maybe the late 80s, very early 90s where they started giving stats. And I'm like, well, this has been 10 years. I mean, this is this is already 10 years that we're still going by these stats in the early 2000s. Like what's going on? It was like 2003 or something. And I was finding some from like 1990. And I'm like, well, it's 13 years later. Surely stuff has changed. But there was nothing available. And for me, the percentage was immediately wrong when it was they 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 kept kind of hanging around this 13 to 15 percent of offenders are female. And I'm going, you know, what's really strange is that at 42, I've met four people, just me, that have had ex uh, uh, sexual abuse uh, experiences with women two of them adolescent females. So I'm like, those stats, how is this possible? How are yeah. these stats right? If I mean, I would, I would be the massive exception. <laughs> you know, what, uh, what luck or uh, lack of luck that yeah. I would meet four people in my life that I'm like, wait a minute, you hold on this. How could this be? How could it be 13 to 15%? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know? Stats like that I, I are just woefully in any regards are, are woefully underreported because who's going to say that, you know, like, how do you, how do you accurately judge anything? No like, one to wants that to degree? discuss yeah. that, you know, because women, as I, when I tried, you know, women are safety net. We don't want to think yeah. about women not being safe. Yeah, they are the yeah. the childcare workers. There are babysitters, and you know, uh, they're your mothers, your sisters, your aunts. Like you don't want to think about things like that. But it's it always fascinated me. I had again clinically that I'm like we we like to portray the the villain as like the creepy old guy With the van. that has a van, yeah. and that is so so rarely the case you know it's usually in your own house yeah and 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 this isn't being discussed so um but it's so much easier to think of the creepy old man in the van absolutely than to think about your husband or your father right or, yeah. or your mother yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 there was um oh god what was the name it was a documentary uh um uh, tell me who i am or tell me my oh, name oh my god that documentary i mean as now knowing my backstory, I mean, when I watched that, I was like, I'm in because this is, we don't talk about this. This is amazing. And then what a responsibility and a weight to be put on his sibling. Like, do you, do you say this again? You know, if you have the, you have, you potentially have the ability to take that away from somebody's yeah. life. Oh, and yeah, yeah <laughs> that was, that was just amazing. I'm, I'm always so 
I'm always so amazed by people that that take these um, these topics on. But I, I I admit that if somebody had said to me, "Hey, I would like to do a story about your life and on female offenders," I would be nervous. Probably also because as a filmmaker, I'd be like, "Is this going to be edited the way I'm going to want it? To? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Am I willing to let <laughs> right. this go?" Um, so you you have final cut, okay? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there any way to like, maybe we can, I can piggyback on that something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. One round of notes, nothing. Okay. Nothing. Like <laughs> one revision. Can I get one uh, revision in there? Um, it's scary. You know, it's scary because I feel like, you know, we, we talk about this a lot, like female filmmakers in this business, right? You, you screw up once that, that's it. You know, male directors get to be tyrants on set. I mean, that's set. kind of like females they in could, any industry yeah well yes for sure for sure but but for for, for this topic i'm saying yeah, like yeah. you know you can you can be a complete tyrant and somehow you're a genius and that's yeah. how this 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 guy works but uh, you know if you mess up as a female it's like well look what happens when you let women direct things yeah, this is a always. mess this is crazy and so that's how i think of this topic too i feel like people's people's willingness to listen to this topic is so slim that if you don't get it right you could potentially do damage. That's always because, you know, he has said in a couple of people in my life has said, make a documentary about your life. And I'm just like, that terrifies me because yeah. I'm not yeah. a documentarian. So it's like I get we get this wrong. You know, we do narrative stuff. I write narrative stuff like we get this wrong. I could set us back. <laughs> and I, I don't want that responsibility. But then also, like, nothing happens if you don't do it. Yeah. So yeah. what a conundrum, yeah. right? You know, like what's um, worse? What's worse, right? That we don't discuss this or that we potentially uh, dole this out in a way that is not as appetizing to people and then we've, we've moved back. and, and right? I know, but uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, it's, yes, it's in the same family, but documentaries and narratives, it's, it's such a different thing, you it's know? Totally, it's a totally different thing. But I also feel like, like that conundrum that you talk about of like, do I, do I tell it or maybe get it wrong? Like it's, it's, especially with these crime docs, it's, it's a huge, huge question that I have to ask myself every second of every day that I'm doing one of these films. It's like, you know, because I definitely feel like in order to get someone to listen or which equates to in order to get someone to watch, mm -hmm. right? One of these films like you have to pull them in with something that is a little bit salacious right you know, sure. or a little bit like confusing or a little bit confounding or a little bit like intriguing you have to get them you have to it's human them. nature yeah, yeah yeah you have to get them to watch and then once you've got them to watch then you can you can dole out all this other stuff so mm -hmm. it has to have that right in order to get people to listen it has to have exactly the right mix of education and entertainment right because mm -hmm. if you just reach into somebody they're never going to listen no. but if you can kind of make them question themselves or make them laugh or make them gasp mm -hmm. or make them cry that's when people start to listen at least that's what i think you know with yeah. when i'm thinking about making films of these really deep dark difficult subjects to discuss it has to have a certain amount of entertainment value in there it mm -hmm. does yeah yeah i mean that's with most things right you look at something like the daily show right and you're doling out news but they're doing it in a satirical comedic mm -hmm. way it makes it that much more digestible to, yeah. to most yeah. people and palpable you know we it, could you know. sit and and watch some quote-unquote dry stuff and, and get something from it but you know if you, you throw in a fart joke once in a while i think you know it's <laughs> it's, it's it's you know it's it, it becomes more palatable and i think that yeah you 
you may be taking away from the quote-unquote seriousness of it, but I think it's worth it if you can get to that much more people, that story, you know, whatever it is, you know. And so um, I think that that's, you know, I think that's, you know, a proven kind of methodology. Well, starting with the 911 call, that's that's such a yeah. brilliant way of doing that, right? Because yeah. there's no questioning. I mean, we, we just went... We just went whole hog. We're in here, right? This this is the call. He's admitted to doing it. Um, and it sets up your arc. You yeah, know? and at no point in the film do you make the audience question if it's valid. Right. We're not saying like, oh, he was under the influence. Or, you know, yeah, he's yeah. admitted he did. This is a fact. This is a fact. And we're not skating around that. That's a fact that, that he did shoot his father. The question is why? Why? Yeah. And, yeah. and was that a valid enough reason? And, uh, you know... I think the fact that you have his wife sort of on his side is like, well, I think maybe, you know, yeah, <laughs> there yeah. may be some validity to this, to, to, to this story here, because, you know, there was one point, though, that I, I felt like um, you could see where she was still sort of under his thumb in a way where she went like, I, I don't remember exactly what she said verbatim, but like sort of insinuating that he was like a good person, a hard worker. So she said something like that. Yeah, and yeah, I thought yeah. this is so strange that like there's still this part of her that's like, no, 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 he's good. Yeah. Even though all the stories that you're telling us are not so good. Yeah. Um, that, well, that was crazy. I mean, she had a lot yeah. of love for him. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, and that's where it's, it's a struggle for her to completely hate him because she was still in love with him and mm -hmm. even said that you know that she she was in love with him and so reckoning with with her feelings for him with what she knew he had done it was challenging for susan to 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 do that yeah i um i i have to ask in in, in the spirit of salaciousness like do you have oh, um is do you ever is there any kind of like negative like because you're telling a story and there's conflict right and so you're going to have a good versus a bad quote unquote but like is there ever any kind of like um, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, feed negative feedback regarding like the family of somebody who did that or the person themselves or something like that. I mean, oh. it can be kind of dangerous, I guess, when you're dealing with people that have the ability to do very dangerous things and you're telling that story. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's absolutely people out there when, when, when you're dealing with both sides of the story, you know, there are people out there who don't want the story told, or there are people out there. I mean, with, with dead asleep, you know, the family sort of came out and they said, we never, we never wanted, you know, we didn't have their, mm -hmm. they didn't participate in the documentary. You know, mm -hmm. we had reached out to them um, and they said, we'd like for our lawyers to speak for us. But um, when the film came out, they felt that it was very much in Randy's favor, mm -hmm. you know, which wasn't the intention at all. It wasn't a pro Randy piece mm -hmm. from my perspective. I wanted to put out the, the fact of like, was he sleepwalking? Not as right. guilty or innocent. Right. You know, and so in that regard, you know, they had real issues. And and I understand that. I mean, her family has has the right to have real issues with this story being out there. So there's absolutely times when people feel feel that they either wanted more of a voice or 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 with that case specifically didn't want the film to be out there. Um, I mean, I've never felt necessarily in danger. But I don't know that I'm ever going to do like a mafia. Movie. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> there right. are limits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's funny. We, we watched the, the, that show, The Offer. 
And I yeah. just remember thinking, like, there's no way I would have been like, I'm finding another job. <laughs> there's yeah. no way I'm, I'm dealing yeah, with the mafia crazy. to make this movie. I don't want to be in Hollywood that bad. It's over for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there's like, we're not doing documentaries on the cartel. We're going to leave that to somebody else. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. there but is a limit. These people that are going to come out with issues, you know, they, I mean, look, everybody's going to go in. Can't to your please point. everybody. Yeah, it's exactly. impossible. You're going to. There's people that are going to watch it and hate this character. There's people that are going to watch it and love this character. And I say character, even though they're people, but you know, it's, it's everybody's going, everybody's going in with an agenda, whether they know it or not, you know? And yeah. so that yeah. kind of, if, you know, with girl in the picture too, you know, I got a lot of responses back for, and this was really interesting to me with um, Suzanne's mother. Mm. And um, you know, some people felt that I was too, hard on her that I put mm. her forward in a really negative light because because Mary sort of talked about her and said she never showed up to the funeral you know and they felt that it was unfair for a female filmmaker to sort of look at a woman in that way and sort of to judge her and I was like I get it I totally understand that but I'm also like there are women assholes out there like yeah. 100% <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it's not my responsibility as a female filmmaker to make every woman look great. Exactly. Right. Right. It's not my responsibility. You know, there is no it's equality cool. in that. Right. 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 Exactly. And but then I had people who were like, you should have been harder on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, but there are circumstances. Yeah. There are a lot of circumstances that go into why she made the decisions that she made. Right. So, yeah. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, well, if I've got people thinking I was too hard, I've got people thinking I wasn't hard enough. Like you did it right. 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 Yeah. For sure. Is there anything that you would like to work on? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I mean, there are so many, there are so many stories. I really do. Look, the stories that I love are stories that, um, that have women involved in them. Um, mm -hmm. They don't have to be the heroes. They don't have to be the villains. I do like, like putting women out there mm -hmm. i like working with women um i like i like stories that have that um there's not there's not a particular story out there but there's there's certainly stories that you know that just provide the opportunity to talk about stuff we're not talking about to dig a little deeper um all those stories all those stories are great to me have you um do you go to the story or does the story come to you or does it vary it varies. I okay. mean, it happens like, like any number of ways. Sometimes the story comes to me. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'm researching things out and I find something. Um, so it's kind of like I've got things going in all sorts of different directions. Yeah. yeah. I always wondered, like, people is someone like, you got to make this. You know? <laughs> like... yeah. People email me a lot with stories that they have. And oh, so, okay. um, oh, interesting. You know, yeah. and they reach out to me and they tell me their story, which is, I mean, it's like the biggest honor on the planet, you know, that people sort of watch a film of mine and they mm -hmm. say this thing happened in my life and I want to share it with you, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's huge for somebody to, to, to do that. I have such a boring life. <laughs> Be grateful <laughs> for that. Happened, I know. <laughs> yeah. Be grateful. No, I, I think it's, you know, it's just, it's super important. And I, and I think that the way you tell a story is amazing and, you know, yeah. I mean, I I don't think I mean we're 218 episodes into the into this show. We've been doing this for several years, and I don't think I've ever discussed my past uh, uh -huh. on our show openly. You know, um, but you 
there's something about the way you communicate that it's like you know what i'm she just does going, it again she's done it again <laughs> <laughs> um and uh you know, so thank you for that because it isn't, it isn't, and it wasn't that I was like intentionally not saying anything, but it was always like, well, there isn't a moment to say this without making things weird or, you know, but this is the, we're talking about these topics. So this makes sense. Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, I, I, I had done like, I participated with someone for their thesis and I never got to read it. I know, I don't know what happened to her. And I was like, would love to know where that went. Did you get a yeah. good grade? did my story then freak everyone out like what happened you know but she she was in the uk and the one person that was like oh because i think it was like a forum or something that i was on for survivors and she reached out to me and was like there's so few of you that are willing to talk about this and i was like i'll talk about it that's fine Uh, but then i don't know what happened you know but uh that's that that that's you know i'm pitching a documentary to her is that what's happening you know what? <laughs> she, I'm sure she has way better stories than mine to tell. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, you know, it's like it's not as easy as just reaching out to somebody. And right. I've, I have emailed so many journalists when I was going through this, like, I'm willing to tell my story. Like, will you listen to the story? Because I think people need to know that the, these percentages are way off and there's so many more victims and 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 female offenders are go, they're flying under the radar so hard yeah. because we're not looking for them this is so dangerous and you know they not responding or responding with like well thank you for your bravery for telling me and good luck and it's like okay <laughs> like i'm not you know and we're small fries so i'm just like what i'm not going to do justice to this so i probably won't touch this but i i think that it's in like what you're doing is paving the way and maybe somebody will say, you know what, I've heard of this happening and perhaps this is happening way more and maybe we should talk about this. But I mean, I, I, my condolences to anybody who would take that on because everyone that I've encountered, they are just like tight lipped about it. Like we're not, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about this. My family's not going to want to hear this, uh, you know, so it, it would be a tough sell for sure. But, you know. For someone like myself, we take what we can get. If someone's just talking about this topic, even if it isn't specifically to, uh, you know, my plight, it's important. Yeah. I mean, I remember when when I did Abducted and everybody, like when we were going out to shop it around, everybody said, nobody wants to watch a movie about a pedophile. Yeah. I can and imagine. I, like, yeah. I said, this isn't a movie about a pedophile. Right. Right. And they were like, wait, what? Like, that was the only thing that they could, yep. right. that they could take from that movie. Yeah. I'm like, this is a movie about a woman surviving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so it's all perspective, but it's like still, I mean, that was 2000, you know, I mean, we were shopping around 2017 and it came out in 2019, but it, like it took two years. Yeah. Yeah. Two years, you know, for people to be okay with a movie about a pedophile. Yeah. That's a tough so, sell. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's a tough sell. Yeah. Or like when you come in now, they're like, she's going to bring us something intense. We already know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no way she's doing a documentary about ponies. That's not yeah, happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least there's well, that. Ring, maybe. But, yeah. <laughs> how, 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 how do you, so then, you know, you're telling this sto- story, right? You put on your creator hat, then you're editing the story and you're kind of putting on your pragmatic hat. And then, and now you're shopping this story and now you have to put on your business hat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how how is navigating that the the um the the marketing side of that i guess trying to sell something like you know i i guess you can lean into that kind of like teasery salacious 
kind of expose to kind of get these people interested in that same way that you would an audience or or is there a different kind of process for that i mean i think it's really it's really sort of knowing knowing who you're shopping it to and Mm. knowing you know kind of what what kind of stories they're willing to tell you know, I mean, I, I know that we went out to a bunch of people with, with abducted and it was just like, these people are never, they're not going to touch the story with a 10 foot pole mm. because it's just, it's, it's too, it's too tough. It's too yeah. tough. And, and these networks are more interested in kind of straight up murder stories or yeah. this kind of story, not really interested in the sex abuse. So, so to know kind of who you're shopping it to and to kind of go these, these, and Netflix was the one, I mean, really like they are willing to take this story and put it out there and and tell the tough stories and yeah. so they were they were open to to grabbing it and to to putting it up and um and i look it changed my life it changed yeah. my life that they did that and it that's was great really, yeah. really amazing thing yeah what does that say i've always wondered that and i brought this point up to people as as a society as humans where it's like i have a story about sexual abuse Meh. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about that. I have a story oh, yeah. about a woman who is abducted, raped, eviscerated, and then buried. What time is it on? Yeah, you know, like we are just fascinated. But I mean, look, I'm not taking from. I, I, uh, if if I had no choice, I would rather have had the experience I had than to be sex trafficked and murdered. Okay, that is far worse. Uh. We've somehow glamorized. I mean, there's. No shortage of documentaries on serial killers, Bundy, Fish, Berkowitz. We have everything with the most gory details. And somehow, I mean, there's like memes and gifs of like horror crime and chill and girls loving crime stories. And I'm like, God, like that's how bad sexual abuse is right that we're willing to take a murder and torture over that and i always say to people imagine how that feels as the survivor of that yeah that you are part of something that is so taboo and so horrific that we would rather (laughs) glamorize serial killers than talk about your story yeah it's so true and it's (laughs) it's you put it that way and you just your mind explodes and you're so heartbroken by it, but it's absolutely true. It's absolutely yeah. true. It's a cultural thing, right? You know, and, and, yeah. and you know, we, we in, in narrative films, regular blockbuster films, you can mow down a, you know, a, you know, a, a, a room full of people. That's no fine. But then you try to release a film like the woodsman today and it's like, forget it. Yeah. yeah, or you can have sex scenes with much older men and much younger girls. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, don't even. That's <laughs> insane. Absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. the minute that you have a, 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 a not typically attractive woman, let's just say, I'm air quoting, with like a, a fit guy, forget it. The internet right. goes crazy, you know. Yeah, but you put happen. the reverse of that. You put like a, yeah. a not not typically attractive man who's overweight with a beautiful woman, and that's nobody blinks an eye. It's yeah. like, yeah, double standard stuff. I mean, that's n- nothing new. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, yeah. That, it, I just, uh, it's just funny. because she She's always like, mentioning it like, how old is that guy? Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> and it's, it's not that it doesn't happen either, but I'm like, am and, I really to believe that this man who's old enough to be her father is her husband? Like, what, what yeah. is going on? I mean, it's the reason why 
I write my own roles because I got tired of being typecast. And then once I hit 30, it was like, we don't even want to know you yeah. until you look you're like you're old enough. Your face is too young to yeah. look like you have children because that's pretty much all we're going to cast you for. And I was like, what is going Why can't, you know, this was why like Alien was and Terminator were like so influential as a kid because I'd never seen women playing roles like that you know and uh so it's just like well then I guess I'll just have to write these parts because if I get offered the part of a madam one more time hmm. you know why yeah. this keeps happening to me and then and you're like do I look like that do I it's just something about <laughs> my I putting face out that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah, whore you know yeah. like wh why <laughs> so uh you know it, it but it's just it it boggles my mind that it's like we will watch the most salacious mm -hmm. crazy things on film mm -hmm. uh you know a movie like nymphomaniac and something you know and it's just like the second there's like anything about any kind of like inappropriate sexual abuse or a pedophile or it's just like oh well we don't want to who like, wants to see something like, like that like they're gonna catch it or something exactly <laughs> yeah but you know we'll watch the and and look i i've watched gory movies i i loved horror movies and uh, I, I've always been fascinated with the psychology of serial killers and what is going on in their mind. Um, I, I, it's human nature to be intrigued, but it's just so crazy to me that, uh, you know, my story would make somebody uncomfortable, but they'll sit down and, and watch, you know, the, the details of, of Night Stalker and be like, t make a party of it. <laughs> like, yeah. We're going to all sit down together and watch this series. Like, oh, okay. You know, there are victims in that, right? You're aware that yeah. people died and, yeah. and no one even, you know, we've talked about this before. Like it becomes about them and their victims mean nothing. And we're sitting here talking about this because of their victims. And suddenly, you know, the yeah. nine prostitutes that this person killed, it's like, well, you know, there were nine, they're the nine prostitutes and yeah. we don't yeah. remember their names. Yeah. We don't remember their names and we yeah. don't care. We just care yeah. about, the serial killer and, and all of their actions. And, uh, uh, well, you know, I just thought I'd, I'd end that on a really high note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but I mean, are you working on anything before we wrap up? Is there something that you like can tell us I about? I feel like she's always working can on something. Can you tell something? us? I know. <laughs> it's been, it's been a busy release summer for me. Yeah. Um, was you know I don't know like three years ago when I kind of started working on these projects I didn't expect them all to sort of come out at the same time right. sort of, sort of yeah. spread out you know um but the world exploded and here we are you know yeah um but I do have a, a three-part series coming out on Netflix on September 14th oh. Oh, okay. um and it's uh I don't know if if you follow crime um you probably have heard of Lori Vallow yes um yeah, so it's it's a story about her son, Colby Ryan, her only remaining child, um, kind of wanted to tell tell the story from his perspective. And so okay. um, so we look at the whole Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell, um, all of the circumstances that happened there. And we follow Colby on his journey, you know, really grappling with the, the loss of his brother and sister and the impending life imprisonment of his mm. mother and the, the, you know, murder all goes far as to say murder even though i don't think it's been called murder yet um i just watched father. that trailer the trailer came out oh, recently did, did it not yeah, yeah, yeah. of it course sky's in of course this is sky <laughs> of course it is i want you know see i i don't like to watch trailers all the way through because i want to watch the show and not so i recognized the story and i was like okay i know the story so i already know like details of this so i was like i'm not i just i i favorited it i'm like i'll remember this i'm gonna i'm gonna notch that on so I didn't even go as far as to see who made it. 
Uh, of course, it's Skyborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should have known. Yeah. I should have known. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm in. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm in. I'm going to mark that. I'm going to watch that. And yeah, September. Okay. Because I was like, oh, it's coming out soon. Of course, it's yeah. Sky. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, my. It's- oh, boy. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Well, we'll have you back on. <laughs> um, so we'll have you back on in six months where, uh, where 19 things of yours have released since then. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> that's a good that's a good problem to have. That's an amazing problem, problem to have. Yeah. Yes. And then beyond that, I mean, I'm kind of looking I'm looking for the next story. Yeah. To sort of really, really dive into and really sort of, you know, the next one that kind of captures me and, and um, kind of goes along with, you know, what I believe in and the stories that I want to be telling and that yeah. eyes on the opening. So anything narrative? You know, not no, not really. Uh I mean I You have the cinematography documentary. for it, that's for sure. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> It'll look beautiful. Yeah. I love documentaries though. I mean, and I think what I love the most about them is the is being able to sit in the room with people that I would not ever meet yeah. in my normal mm-hmm. life. You know, and it's like when I look around at the people who's who I've sat with and who I've, you know, chatted with and just go, these these I'd never meet these people. And then all of a sudden, like within the span of very short period, here we are talking about deep stuff. And Uh and that's it's it's amazing. It's it's and you got to be part of that. That's good. Yeah. 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 It's cool. Awesome. So no narrative stuff for me, although you should watch i i'm not i'm only a consulting producer on it but um so it's it's nick anacosta and and uh alex headland they're doing a scripted abducted in plain sight oh so it's called friend of the family and i it's coming out in october october 6th or not i can't remember beginning of october there's a nine part a nine parter that um that is coming out jake lacy's in it um anna paquin's in it oh wow hanks is in it so they take they're, they're able to sort of extend the story out. So oh, very I'm cool. Excited. I'm super excited. To yeah. Watch. Kudos for them for making that. Yeah. You know, again. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Oh, we'll definitely be checking that out. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being on. It was, uh, I, I, I was trying not to fangirl and I think I succeeded. No, you did not. Nope. Oh. Nope. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> She's weird. <laughs> so, um, thank you so much. And, um, we uh, uh, we will keep in touch with what you're doing and when things release, so people can 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 watch your. I, I don't think they have a choice but to watch your your work because it's out there and uh, you're doing amazing things and everything everybody's interested in. Skyborgman is yeah. is, is involved in, so just deal with it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> thank, well, you. thank you, and thank you for sharing your story on this podcast. Awesome, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thanks. That was Sky Borgman. Sky Borgman. I thought I could. I thought I did a good job of not fangirling. I could have been yeah. worse. Yeah, you were okay. <laughs> you did okay. You almost didn't look pathetic. Yeah. Almost. Good no, job. You, it was fine. But you're not ca- supposed to tell the person that you're not fangirling over. I don't care. You know what? I don't <laughs> care. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Wearing the t-shirt of the band you're going to see. Yeah, I totally did that. And that's yeah. all right. You know what? Hashtag not sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, look, she's, she's, she is doing shit in this business that, you know, we, we don't get to see. And then also doing it as a female. It's like, I appreciate anybody who's telling the story. I love men as much as I love women. But as a woman in this business, I, I just am especially appreciative to see 
her success and and that she's she she's putting out quality work with good cinematography god i appreciate that so yeah. much yeah. Yeah. um so yeah if it uh if i'm if i have to fangirl i'm gonna fangirl i think we should fangirl with this type of filmmaker more often sure we need more more of them more of these ladies and gentlemen as well tell yeah. these stories like don't be afraid to tell these stories uh and uh i love her that's it yeah that's Those all i got i have links to to her her films yes um, if you so have not watched this, you should. Yeah, they're pretty crazy. Like, even if you're like, um, on the like me, sometimes a little on the fence with documentaries. There's never been one of hers that I haven't been that haven't hasn't blown me away strictly from like a filmmaking perspective. Yeah. Let alone the story itself, which is also amazing. Obviously. Um, get to it. Get to it. Shout outs to MoGraph. To MoGraph. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what we have going on next week. We'll figure things out. We're watching things. We're talking about things. Yeah. We've got a bunch of guests lined up. And then uh, also, as we mentioned, we have uh, Amber and a bunch of film fests. So um, we're going to have to. Oh, yeah. What are we going to. Oh, God, we're going to have to work that out. <laughs> we have to make yeah. sure that we like drop guests on weekends that we're going to be at the fest. Because how are we going to do that? Yeah. Um, awesome problem to have. I guess, yeah. You know? <laughs> God, we have all these film fests oh to go to. Oh, my God. Like, we how these... are we going to do this podcast? We made it into all these film fests. Yeah. What a bore. Um, so, yeah. If you have something that you want us to watch or that you think we should watch, send it our way. And we appreciate you. And thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Bye.